Uh, we've been walking through the Bible in uh, 16 weeks, I guess you would say. We're, we're taking a different uh, passage or a different scripture each week and kind of building all the way through the story. And basically walking the Bible through from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And so um, we've talked about the idea that God created a world um, in a kingdom and he was king. We talked about the idea that then he created man to represent him in that kingdom. Then we talked about the idea that, that man made a choice not to represent God in the kingdom anymore. He listened to Satan. He followed Satan. And, and God's world that he had created changed. And we talked about the idea so that God stepped into it and said, all right, um, I, I'm going to come up with a plan. And I am going to provide redemption to redeem this world back. And we talked last week about the idea that God came along with Abraham and made a covenant. And he said, Abraham, you need to understand, I'm going to take on both parts of this covenant, and I'm going to take, and I am going to be both parts of this covenant, and I am going to fulfill my promise to make this thing right again. And so we, we talked about the significance of that and how important it was that God not only just took on his part, but Abraham's part as well. And um, so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's first main step towards that. And... Uh, you're going to have to follow with me. It's going to seem like uh, I've got to go through a lot of history to get to this one nugget that is life-changing, that is, that, is, that, is, that is so important for us to understand not only the Bible narrative, but to understand the significance in our lives. So you're going to have to bear with me for a little bit because I'm going to go through a lot of history. You're like, where in the world is he going? Um, but don't worry, I will get there, Okay. The passage I want to focus on this morning is in Genesis chapter 49. So we're going to read it, and I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of history stuff, and then we're going to come back to it, and we're going to talk about how it applies to us. So here we go, Genesis 49. Um, Here is the passage. Um, This is, let me give you a little bit of framework. I'm going to come back to it, but let me give you a little bit of framework. This is Abraham, or this is uh, Jacob giving the blessings to the 12 sons of, of Israel at the end of his life, and this specifically is the blessing to Judah, okay? So here's what it says. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You will return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down, like a lioness who dares to rouse. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine. His colt will be the choicest brand. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. This is, this is him giving a promise to, to um, Judah that basically the Messiah, the Savior, the King, is going to come through him. And we know that Jesus was a lion, was known as a lion from the tribe of Judah. This is the promise that was made way, way, way back before Jesus ever comes onto the scene. Now, it doesn't seem like this is a big turning point in the Bible narrative. It doesn't seem like it's that big a deal, but it is a big deal, all right? So let me bring you up to speed. Let me give you the history real quick. God, we talked last week about the idea that God made a covenant, or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Last week? Yeah. When was Mother's Day? Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay. Last week we talked about the covenant. Um, and, and we talked about the idea that Abraham, God made this covenant with Abraham. 
And we talked about how that from that point on, that was a promise to Abraham that his descendants would be, you know, like a multitude and he would have a nation and all that kind of stuff. What happens is when you go through the whole history of Abraham, you find out that eventually um, he ends up with a son by the name of Jacob uh, or Isaac, and then you have Jacob. And in the story of Jacob, um, Jacob ends up with 12 sons. Okay, now Jacob and Israel, keep this one back here. Jacob and Israel, the same person. Okay, Jacob's name's changed to Israel. Israel, 12 sons, therefore the guess. 12 tribes come from Jacob or Israel. Okay, um, what you know about Jacob, what you know about Israel is he had 12 sons. Two of them are very, very significant. One of them that you know of was, who was probably the most famous of the 12? Joseph. Joseph is the one that we really, really know about. And you know that famous story of Joseph. They sell him into slavery. He goes down into Egypt. He, 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 he does, he does the whole time he responds right. Everything that bad happens to Joseph, he responds in the right way. He gets lied to. His brothers sell him into slavery. Um, Potiphar's wife tempts him. He does what's right. He gets thrown in prison. Eventually exalts himself all the way up. He gets promoted all the way up, and he's second in command. Okay, So you, you know the story of, of Joseph. The other probably most famous son is Benjamin. Okay, Both of them from the same mother. Okay, So Joseph and Benjamin, two important people. Joseph rises all the way up. Then you, you remember the story. Joseph, there, there's a famine in Egypt. The brothers come down. Joseph... Wants to, they don't know that it's Joseph. He looks like an Egyptian. So they don't know that it's Joseph. Joseph then does the thing. He wants to see if their hearts have changed. He wants to try to get his family down. You know, the whole thing, he manipulates everything to get Benjamin to come all the way down. Benjamin comes down. Joseph reveals himself. He goes, I'm Joseph. They're scared to death because now it's Joseph that, that is ruling over them. And they're scared. And, and you know the story. Um, eventually what's going to happen is daddy is about ready to die. Okay? And in the Jewish world, one of the most important things that happened as you, as you aged is there came a point close to your death that you would give what was known as the blessing. And what you would do is you would bring your, your, your family together and you would, you would pass down a blessing upon each one of the kids. Now, sometimes that blessing was like a good thing, and sometimes it was a bad thing, but whatever you pronounced was like this life sentence kind of thing. It was a big deal. Um, in fact, it's been a long time since I talked about that. I think on Father's Day I might go back and, 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 and help you understand that whole concept because um, I think it's a concept we're missing today with our kids. Um, can, can I just take a quick little rabbit trail here? Most of us are really good at telling our kids what they need to fix, myself included, because we want them to be better. We're not real good at telling them what they're doing well. And one of the things that happened in a Jewish household is every night, or, or, or every, every um, Shabbat, every Friday, Friday night when they would gather for the Sabbath, one of the things that would happen is they would walk around to each kid. They would put their hands on each kid, and they would, they would speak a blessing to each child, and they would go around. Now, can you imagine this? 
You want to know why Jewish families are so close? Can you imagine growing up every week, you heard your parents say, you know what, I'm really proud of the hard worker you are. Go to the next kid. You know what, I'm really proud that you have this optimistic attitude that no matter what, you won't let anything get, get you down. You know what, I'm so glad that God gave you to me because of the, the, the way that you have been so obedient all week and done everything that I asked of you. And you do that every week with your kids. That's a typical Jewish home, by the way. And I think we can learn something from them. But at the end of their lives, what happened was the dad would call them in and he would give them a blessing. So it's, it's kind of unique. And, and um, when Jacob does this, uh, he's 147 years old. He brings, uh, the first thing that he does is he brings in, um, you have him, you have Joseph, and you have Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And, and he brings them in, and, and, and he does a special thing with them. It's, it's interesting because one of the things that, when, at that point, now again, Joseph is second highest in command in Egypt. Jacob is there, and Jacob says, look, one thing I want you to promise me, Joseph, you'll take my bones and I'll go back to the land. I don't want to be buried here in Egypt. I know you could give me like this great big tomb and pyramid and all kinds of really cool stuff, but I don't want any of it. I want to be buried back with my fathers. And, and Joseph promises him that he will do that. And one of the things that happens in that story is Joseph comes and actually kneels before his dad. Now let me tell you something. A Egyptian second in command kneeling before a Hebrew? Oh. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. You know, well, it was his dad. No, 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 no. An Egyptian kneeling before a Hebrew. That's how their, their culture would have seen it. It was a big deal. And, and, God, and, and Jacob comes to give a blessing to Joseph's two kids. And it's interesting because what happens is he puts his hands on him, and at the last minute he switches, and Jacob goes, oh, whoa, whoa, dad, whoa, 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 you got it wrong. You got it wrong. You got the wrong kid first. And he goes, no, 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 no. I know exactly what I'm doing. And it's, it's a fascinating story because here's why. Because if you'll remember, Jacob had gotten his birthright through deception. He had cheated to get it reversed. And so here Jacob switches it on purpose to say, no, 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 I know exactly what I'm doing. This is the way it's going to work. Okay? But fast forward, here's what happened. He gathers all, Genesis chapter 49, he gathers all the kids together. He's got 12 sons there, and he starts giving out the blessings. Now, um, here's where you got to hang on with me for a minute, okay? Because I'm going to go through all 12 kids and give you the highlights, all right? Um, four of the blessings that were given were not positive ones. They were somewhat negative. Um, the first is Reuben. Reuben is the oldest. Reuben, by nature, should have been given probably the greatest blessing. But because of an incestuous relationship with his father's wife, Reuben is not treated that way and he's actually replaced by Ephraim in, in in the blessing thing Levi and Simeon they were known for their anger they're two of the tribes that got involved in the whole Shechem thing and so when they when they when they get when it comes to their blessing one of their blessings is that they're going to got to be scattered around you go well the Levites those were like the really good people yeah, yeah yeah but you know what the Levites never had any land they got 49 cities they were scattered all abroad because of their anger um the other, the other, the, the, the fourth tribe is the tribe Dan. Dan was a tribe that was kind of known as sneaky and hurting people and that kind of thing. So it, it, it's interesting. 
they don't conquer the area that they were given. And when we get to the book of Revelation, when it mentions the 12 tribes, they're not mentioned, which is significant. So the four of them kind of got this negative thing. The others, they got this positive thing. Now, um, um, Zebulun and Eskar, you know those guys. No, you don't. Um, they were hardworking, stable people. They ended up on the coast and as farmers. Um, so when the land got all divided up, that's where they ended up. Gad um, had a pretty difficult life, but they, they were incredible people. And, and, and Jacob says, you're going to triumph over them. Asher was a group of people that were helpers. Um, they actually ended up helping in Solomon's palace when it was built. Um, they were a big part of that. Um, Naphtali was gentleness. They, they were a mountain people. They kind of ended up living in the mountain area and a, a really graceful, kind kind of people. Um, Benjamin, one of the favorites, was a warlike uh, courage. They were known for that. They, they, he, was, he gave them that blessing. Um, Joseph, it's interesting. Um, Joseph is a vine. He said they would grow and they would flourish. Joseph is the only one that was singled out for fruitfulness. And that's significant. Here's why. When you look at the life of Joseph, one of the things that you see is that over and over again, every time he tried to do what's right, he got knocked back. But he kept doing what's right, got knocked back, doing what's right, knocked back, doing what's right, knocked back. At the end of his life, he's rewarded for that. Don't, don't, don't minimize the scripture when it says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. And he kept plugging away and plugging away and plugging away, and God honored it. And then you come to the guy we just talked about, Judah. And Judah is granted this idea of ruling. Okay? And so Judah is given the idea of rule, and the Messiah is going to come through Judah. All right? Now, I got through all that to get to this. All right? So hang on. All right? Because this, this is what you need to understand about this passage. You're going... Okay, good. Finally, at least I can learn something now. All right, here we go. When you put all of this together, okay, when you put the whole story together, here's the thing. No one would have picked Judah. Do you know what Judah's resume is up until this point? You want to know the resume of Judah? To get this, and again, here's what's going to happen. Here's what he's saying. Judah, I've looked at all 12 guys. You're the guy I'm going to pick to bring the Messiah through. The Messiah is going to trace his lineage all the way back to you. And we know Jesus is a lion out of the tribe of Judah. You know, we put up big banners with big lions on them, and Jesus is a lion out of the tribe of Judah. Do you know what Judah's resume was? Here's the story of Judah in a, I'm going to try to make it as PG-13 as I can, all right? I'm, I'm, and I'm working at it. need to know, I'm working at it. And I understand we got kids here, so i got to be careful, all right? <clears throat> Judah is the one who, when Joseph was sold into slavery, Judah's the one who said, look, let's not kill him, let's sell him. In other words, you know what? If we kill him, we ain't going to make any money. We can get something out of this. Let's sell him. Somebody goes, oh, you know, maybe he was just trying to save his life. I don't know. But at whatever, he's the one who suggested selling him instead of, instead of killing him. Judah is the one who, when you study the life of Judah, here's what happened. Judah has a son, and his son gets married. And Judah's son dies. 
The problem is he died without having any children. So in that culture, what happened is if you had a, if you had a son who got married and he died without having children, the brother would then marry his wife in order to keep the family lineage going. So that's what happens. So the second son comes along. He marries the first son's wife. Everybody follow me so far, right? He dies without kids. So guess what happens next? The third son would marry the first son's wife. But Judah says, not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. In fact, I think she's cursed. So I want her out of here. And that's what he does. He sends her away. So now she's got kind of this scarlet letter kind of thing on her because of that. Judah, meanwhile, later has to travel. So he goes away to another country, and as he's traveling, he feels like he's lonely and he needs companionship. So he goes to someone that he thinks is a prostitute. Guess who the prostitute is? His daughter-in-law, who has, who has changed her appearance so he doesn't know who it is. So he goes to, with her that night. He then leaves, goes back home. She ends up pregnant with twins. He back here hears about it and says, how dare my daughter-in-law do something like that? Bring her back here, and we will take care of her and kill her. So she comes all the way back, and she says, by the way, before you do that, let me show you what the father gave me. And produces what he had payment for. And he recognizes, this how crazy this is. I mean, Hollywood can't come up with this stuff, folks. This is how crazy this is. And he produces something that shows that his sons are also his grandsons. And God, in heaven, who looks down on the 12 children of Israel and says, I need to pick a guy for my son, my savior, that I am going to come through, and Judah's my guy. And when you trace the lineage of Jesus back, here's what you're going to find. Read the book of Matthew, and it lists all that genealogy stuff, and you've got to read your Bible, and you'll fly through it. You know who you're going to find? Right after the name Judah? The name Perez. Perez is one of the twin sons. Now you're going, whoa, I didn't sign up for this today. You know, that, you, really? Yes, really. Yes, really. That's the story. Now, you know, you kind of step back from this thing and you go, uh, <laughs> okay, okay. So I know what you're thinking. How are you going to apply that to my life this week? All right, here we go. Here it is. Because I think this is great. I think this is great, and I think you need to understand this. You need to understand this in a Bible narrative. This is so important from Genesis to Revelation. Here's the principle. God will always make a way. 
he will always make a way. No matter how much we mess it up, God will make a way. He makes a way. God says, Abram, I want you, or Jacob, I want you to choose Judah because he's the guy. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way. That is the lesson for us this week, I think. Because some of you are up against things that are overwhelming to you. God will make a way. You go, oh, you don't understand. My life is so messed up. Really? More messed up than what we just talked about? Because that was really messed up. But God made a way. You see, what happens to us so often is we forget this. We forget that God is the God of the impossible. We forget that God wants simply for us to be willing to be used. But what I see is I see so many people, here's what happened. Because of what they've got going on or because of what they've had going on, they convince themselves that God can't use them or God doesn't want to use them. And they miss the point that no, 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 no. God put this story in so that you understand that, yes, God can use even the messiest and ugliest of situations to do something incredible because he's God. And there is nothing that you have done that, 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 that labels you to the point that God can't use you. You've got to understand that. Because if, if, if any of us looked at that situation, I got news for you. Judah would not have been anywhere in our top five. I didn't think he would have made the top ten. But God says, no, 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 no. He's my guy. I'm going to bring my, I'm going to bring, I'm going to come in flesh through this lineage. We would think it would be Joseph. We would think it would be Benjamin. But here's what you need to remember. God's ways aren't your ways. See, we look at stuff like that and we say, okay, this is the way God should do it. And God says, no, no, I'm God. This is the way I'm going to do it. And the guy that you would have written off is the guy God decided to use. And are some of you are sitting here this morning, you have written yourselves off that God can't use you for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is. It doesn't matter. Just like you would have written off Judah. But God said, I am going to bring my lineage through this son, Judah. And that ought to give you hope. Because I deal with so many people that are like, PJ, you you don't understand how bad I am. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand this. You don't understand that. You don't understand that. Look, here's all I'm going to say to you. You don't understand God. Because in his world, that doesn't matter. In his world, that's what the cross is all about. In his world, that's what putting your faith and trust in Jesus is all about. He takes care of all of that. You go, yeah, 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 but you know, there's no way I could live like this Christian thing. There's no way any of us can do it without God's help. 
And anything that we are able to do is because of God's help, not because we, we, we are able to do it. And, that, and that's the beauty of this thing. God says, look, you know what? He's my guy. As messed up as that is, he's my guy. Because you know what? I will make a way. And no matter what mankind does, I'll make a way. If you haven't figured this out yet, life is really messy. It's really messy. It's really complicated. And what I watch is I watch Satan in the background convince people that God can't use them, God doesn't want to use them, whatever. And I'm like, you don't understand the stories of the Bible. The Bible is filled with people you and I would never, ever choose to use. The disciples are going to be a great example of that. They are not the top 12 people anybody would have picked on the planet at that time. When you understand the culture, every one of them was a spiritual reject from the Jewish system. Every one of them. When you, look at the, when you look at the Bible characters that God chooses to use, <clears throat> they're just ordinary, everyday people that have all kinds of flaws and all kinds of problems. And God says, you don't understand, this is who I want to use. This is who I want to use. And I would challenge you this morning to understand that. No matter what your past, no matter what it is that you think keeps God from wanting to use you, you're wrong. You're wrong. Because God takes a guy like Judah, who we would have written off, thrown away, pushed onto the back burner. In fact, here's what's really significant. The four guys that don't get a, a positive blessing, you would have thought Judah would have been in that list. But he's not. But he's not. And even the guys that get a negative one, Levi ends up being... The tribe of priests. Why? Because God is not limited by stuff. And God makes a way. And whatever you're struggling with this morning, God makes a way. You go, why? I don't know why. And I'm just thrilled that he does. I'm just thrilled that he does. The second thing I think you see is this. and, and, And understand this. God wants to use you. The frustration that I have when being in a rural ministry is this. You guys underestimate the impact and the influence you can have for the kingdom of God. Because you have listened. I'm going to try to be nice about this, okay? (laughs) I can't. This This just ticks me off. You know how it is in a small community. In a small community, what happens is no one will ever let you forget your past. No one will ever let you forget your mistakes. Everyone wants to continually bring it up in front of you or, 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 or fling that dart at you. And that drives me crazy because you know what the thing about the city is? We're not close enough to know anybody to even care in the big cities. But you get in a small community, and everybody's always picking at you. So as soon as you try, especially as a Christian, you try to do something right, boy, they're there to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Can you imagine Judah being in a small community? 
I mean, they were in Egypt at this time. Can you imagine them being in a small community where everybody's going, oh, Judah, you're going to be king? You're going to be rule? Oh, you've got to be kidding. Messiah's going to come from you? Oh, don't you remember this and 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 this? And Judah could have listened to them and quit. Instead of saying, okay, Dad, let's see what God's going to do. As nice as I said, some of you just need to, you know, you just need to stop listening to the garbage. And need to understand that God says something very different, very loudly from Genesis to Revelation, and that's this idea. Be obedient. Say yes to me, and I'll use you. I don't care about all the other stuff. I don't care. That's what the cross is about. The cross is about so we can nail it, put it away, bury it from the depths of the deepest sea, remove it as far as the east is from the west. It's done. It's taken care of. It's finished. I'm not focused on that anymore. Let's focus on what you're going to do for me today. What are you going to do for the kingdom of God today? How are you going to represent my kingdom in this world today? Because I want to use you. And I will make a way if you'll give me a chance. And That's what you see in Judah. And he makes a way. And my prayer for you today, stop listening to all of the people who are telling you all the reasons that you can't live for God. Stop listening to all the people who are telling you why you can't be a Christian, why you're not good enough, why you're not this or you're not that. Because the Bible, God, teaches from Genesis to Revelation something very, very, very different. He teaches that you say yes to me, I'll use you. I will make a way. No matter what, I'll make a way. And my prayer for you goes something like this this week. No no matter what obstacles you face in life, God will make a way, and he'll use those obstacles as a stepping stone. He's got a plan. He just simply needs you to be open and obedient. And he will use you. Let's pray. Lord, help us.